Hey, I want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram, Ask Adam Torres, to keep up with my book releases, book tours, signing schedule, all that good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. Uh, so t- today we have Adam Vasquez on the line. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Merit. Adam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Adam. By the way, great first name. <laughs> I love it. Hey, hey, we we we, we can't get away. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, I I could see. I mean, you have quite a bit of uh, experience in in innovating and inventing markets, and I want to talk more about what what Merit's doing and how you're uh, disrupting industries. But before we do that, let's just go a little bit further back and get into your background. How did you get uh, started as an entrepreneur? How are you inspired? Yeah, yeah. So, so if we go back to when I was a little child, uh, you know, I've always, I was always a daydreamer, and I used to always get uh, beat up in class from teachers saying, "You're thinking about other stuff. You need to be thinking about class." So, I, I wasn't a great student. Only really until graduate school, I became a very good student. Or I was always a good student in subjects that I cared about. So, so I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Was you know, the lemonade stands, the doing uh, art and logo design for you know sort of side hustles for different small companies that kind of stuff uh, even playing playing business when i was real little right you know people play house people play doctor i actually played business so so i always had that 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 itch but um i, I didn't really really didn't express it until my sort of corporate career when I was working for some big Fortune 500 companies running marketing for them. And I, I just knew that I wanted more and I always wanted to do something my own. My my father actually had his own uh, analytics and economics business that was eventually bought by KPMG, where he became the, the most senior and highest paid partner actually at KPMG and on the board. So I always had that in me and that sort of entrepreneurial household. I just, you know, it just became later as it, as it developed and I felt that was something was missing in me. What kind of advice would you give to some of the other daydreamers out there who are in school right now and they're or they're just graduated and they're like, oh, man, is this it? Because <laughs> I feel like you might have had yeah. that feeling at one point in life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always it was funny school. The subjects I weren't interested, I was not interested in were always always the subjects that I, I struggled with, of course. And and I feel like certain daydreamers you know, you know, it's a bad term, it's, you know, in many ways, we're sort of the visionaries where, where you need to re- realize is daydreaming is great for vision, and you need to visualize where you go, of course, um, but you also have to execute it. So there's some things that you don't want to do, that you're going to have to do to get to that dream. Don't give up on the daydreaming, but figure out the little steps that you need to do, even if you don't like them. And if you're really bad at those little steps, find someone that's better at them with you and partner up with those people. So, so, it, and, and, you know, for those of you that have just graduated and are looking for that new thing in your first one to five years, hold your vision on where you want to go and, and but just try a bunch of stuff. And what I found is that you end up, you may not know exactly what you want, but by process of elimination, you end up finding that what you're good at, 
and you practice it more and more, you end up loving it, and then you end up building a passion for it. And then if you're smart, you turn it into a business and you make money off of it for everyone around you. Yeah, that's a that's a great great advice. And I always say, well, Albert Einstein was a daydreamer. Nobody says he was bad, that bad at, in, in history. History <laughs> history paints him out to be a pretty good guy. I would argue. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No yeah. kidding. That's right. It's funny. Well, um, you know, and I I, I think that a couple of things that you said there definitely are going to make sense to try things. And when you try things, just to have the correct expectation that you're going to fail at some of them. Um, what yeah. are your thoughts on failure? Because I know you're in uh, you're in, in the innovation. So what are your thoughts on failure? Yeah, yeah. There's there's two ways two ways to look at failure. There's a failure that okay you're doing something unethical or you just did a really bad job at it and and that's that's bad failure right. And then there's uh, there's and you can still learn from that. But then there's really good failure, which is sort of the process and. Uh, you know, you know, Thomas Edison famously said, you know, I failed a thousand times to find the right way to doing something right. And every failure is a step towards the, you know, the innovation or the invention. And, and I believe that it, it's, you have to put yourself out there. If you're going to do something new, something that's untested and even for yourself, right? Because life is about growth and growth is, you know, it's painful and it's about trying new things. You have to be willing to fall on your face, knowing that, most failures, most of the time, are not life or death situations. Um, failures are ways that you learn and grow. So the only bad failures are the ones that you don't learn from. And the best failures are the ones that push you and grow you through that sort of shift or that quantum leap so that you become a bigger, better person and you learn. And without failure, you'll never get to something big, right? But most people are afraid of failure. That's why most people never accomplish their dreams in life. Okay. Uh, so let, let's try, let's change it up a bit, Adam. I want to talk a little bit more about what you're doing over at Merit um, as founder and CEO. So who, who are your clients and how do you help them? Yeah, so, so Merit is the first market invention consultancy. And you're probably like, oh, market invention, kind of a new term. It is, but it's it's really not a new new thing. It's been it's been going on since the dawn of commerce and I and I call it a law of commerce and and what I mean by that is there's there's a few examples. Uh you look at De Beers and the diamond engagement ring. Well, you know, everybody looks at diamonds and and they associate them with engagement rings, but really before I get really probably for the nineteen forties Diamonds were not associated with engagement rings, and there was this this small company, now a huge company, right, De Beers, that had a bunch of diamonds and needed to create a market. So they worked with some influencers, happened to be royalty and some other people, and they started to build this market really that we think of the diamond engagement ring market, and that has created billions for them in growth. And so, so it's it's you look at the pet rock in a very much more simpler, simpler scenario. Pet rock is actually a market invention. Um, but when you pick your head up and see what the difference of companies that break through and become the market leader versus those who are just remain two, three, four, or five or 10th or last place is the difference of following the process of market invention. So more recent examples are HubSpot. They invented the inbound marketing market, which has put them at top of the marketing automation, really email marketing and in many ways digital marketing industry. So thinking of that that as an example, um, thinking about any 
any leaders that are now the leaders today, look at McDonald's with Ray Kroc. He was a market inventor. And, and the way to think about entrepreneurship in, in four phases is the first phase is the solopreneur, right? The, the sort of gun for hire, right? And there's a lot of us who started there and some are, are, are happy there. And there's nothing wrong with the, these phases. And there's nothing wrong with being in any one of the phases. The second phase is the small follower. That is a lot of law firms, accounting firms, could be a dry cleaner, could be a bowling alley, um, could be a marketing agency. Uh, and then you've got the third level, which is the strong competitors. Burger King is a strong competitor, right? Wendy's, uh, uh, Pepsi is a strong competitor. And then you think they're never going to be number one because they're following the leader. They have a, the same product or service. They didn't really invent the market, which is the top level of entrepreneurship, which is the market inventor. And the market inventor invented the market. This, these are where we think of Thomas Edison. This is where we think of um, uh, William Boeing, even. And, and Boeing is taking a hit, right, on the 737 uh, MAX right now. But, you know, it, there's a big difference. And people think being a leader is about product innovation, and, and it's not enough. Because product innovation if product innovation was enough, then we would all be flying Wright Brothers airplanes, right? But instead, we're flying Boeing airplanes or Airbus airplanes. And those are market invention companies. Amazon's whole process of market invention. So what we do is we, we really coined the process, identify the process, and we've been doing this for many years, and we've really created – they're now doing the numbers, and it's hard to believe uh, close to $100 billion in market value cap. Um, and we've always been hidden behind the scenes until now. We've been really more public about it. Um, uh, but great brands such as we work with Peeps and Mike and Ike's, if you're familiar with Peeps, right? The Easter candy, mm -hmm. right? We just came from Easter. Most of your listeners have probably heard of Peeps or tried Peeps. But they're working and getting out of just being the Easter market, right? There's also uh, also large uh, brands like we talked about Chateau Saint Michel and Altria, sec one of the second largest winery brands, helping them invent other new brands of, of of wine. But then we also talk about large banks we work with, and and even small architectural firms. So it's a very scalable process. So what we do is we work to take somebody who's number two, three, or four and make them number one in their industry by using the process of market invention to disrupt the status quo and makes them a leader. So Adam, what do you find are some of the mistakes that companies are making? I know you work with a lot of different companies, um, but a lot of, so the, that answer may vary, but there's typically like themes. What do you find are the big yeah. mistakes that as soon as some, a, a company's brought into your uh, office there, you already know they kind of probably are making? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times they're competing in someone else's market and they're advertising in someone else's market. So pre-internet, when you would advertise, you could own the market because you were the only reference, right? When we, we learned about new products, it was advertising, through advertising, salesperson or word of mouth, right? Post-internet, and this is why content marketing is so effective in other things, but the real reason is because post-internet is when you hear an advertisement, then all it does is remind you to go search for um, what other alternatives are for that product, right? So Geico's 15% or more on you know health or car insurance doesn't necessarily drive more revenue for Geico, but it does remind you to go check your rates and then go evaluate other insurance providers. 
So, and a lot of people think Geico is winning in the insurance space. They spend $2 billion in advertising. And what happens is State Farm gets to grow in market share right along with, with uh, Geico. So as Geico gains market share, State Farm gains market share. So they never change their position in relation to the leader, right? So so if you're spending, and now they're $2 billion, imagine if you had only $30,000 and you're making that mistake in advertising, doing social media ads or whatever else in somebody else's market doing lead gen, what you're actually doing is creating awareness for the market leader. And nine out of 10 of those dollars you're spending are actually going to the market leader. So that's the number one mistake. They're advertising without having a point of view or a difference in the new market or the new vision of the industry. So they're just spending to be me too, like everybody else. Wow. Um, that's, that's a great example. Um, well, if, if somebody's uh, listening to this and they want more information about you or on merit, what's the best way for them to reach out to you, Adam? Yeah, you can reach out to me two ways. Uh, you go to my personal website, Adam T, as in Thomas, Vasquez.com. So that's Adam T, Vasquez.com. Or you can come, come to Merit's website, that's MadeWithMerit.com. All right, fantastic. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show today. And uh, to the listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to go check out Merit. And as always, uh, don't forget to subscribe, leave me a review, do all those great things we do to uh, support our podcasters. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you again, Adam, for coming on the show.